When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. You know, some, sometimes it feels like even when, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're, you know, Rod picks the ball up, turns, makes a good throw, we're just not able to handle it. I mean, that there's there's not a lot more to it than that. Uh, and, and that's hard. It, it is hard when you're out there and, and you're battling. We went a big game, you know, yesterday and, uh, you know, you're looking to build off of that. Um, and, and we had some chances to build off of that today. Uh, we got some some outcomes we were, we were certainly not looking for, that's for sure. Thanks a lot for that, Rocco Baldelli. It's Talking Twins, Zolgad, Jake DePew, God bless him, Declan Goff, executive producer. Uh, all right. I will set the table for you, Jake DePew, and then you, you can get off uh, with the topic that you want to start with. The Minnesota Twins, now 13-25. and 25, they have lost 9 of 11, and since we last did a talk in Twins, they have won one game out of six. They won on Saturday. They almost lost, but they came back, and Miguel Sano hit a three-run wind-aided home run, and they won that game. And uh, what you just saw was manager Rocco Baldelli talking about the latest meltdown on Sunday where the Twins lost 7-6 to six in an eminently winnable game against the A's. And I believe, Jake DePew, that you said you actually wanted to start with what we saw yesterday at Target Field. Yeah, I do, because I had the misfortune of watching that game. Um, and, <laughs> y- you know, that game really bothered me uh, for a couple of reasons. One, Sano did hit the home run Saturday. Is it, it, the season already lost? In my opinion, yes. But it was a moment, right? There haven't been many moments this year. It was a nice moment, and you thought, maybe, maybe... They can build off of this and at least put together a nice little run. They get out to a uh, 4-1-4-1 lead uh, on Sunday. Maeda's, you know, looking okay. Uh, And then the fifth inning hits. Maeda gives up a ton of hard contact on two straight pitches. Um, And and that leads to one of the worst defensive plays I've seen uh, in in a long time, certainly this year. So I don't know. You guys are, I'm sure you guys are watching the wild as you should have been, but, uh, there were runners at uh, second and third with one out. The Twins had a, had a one-run lead at that point. It was 4-3. Ball gets hit to Simmons. The infield's in. Simmons comes home as he should. The runner is dead to rights, right? He has no – Elvis Andrews has no chance. Ben Rortvet, I know he's a rookie, but this is the big leagues. He's known for his defense. Uh, you know, I don't know what he was thinking. He he runs Andrews back to third base. The, the runner at second, Canna, had already run to third. So there was uh, the third base was already occupied. Literally, all you have to do is walk Andrews back to the base. This is 
simple stuff. This is high school. This is middle school stuff. Instead, he throws it to third for, for no conceivable reason and then compounds that mistake by not getting out of the way uh, as Andrews turns and runs right into him because Andrews is a smart player and he knew that he could get the interference play called. So instead of getting a guaranteed out there, they let the tying run score and they let Cannon get to third with one out instead of two. So that's just a, just a horrible play by Rorfit. I'm sorry. There's just no getting around it. It's a terrible play. Then next, uh, next batter hits a shallow fly ball to Trevor Larnick, who f- for some reason doesn't get behind the throw. He, he feels it flat-footed uh, and, and it, almost as if he didn't expect Canada to, to tag up and score uh, and, and makes a bad throw home. And, and Smalley commented on it on the broadcast uh, that, he, that he caught it flat-footed. That's a smaller play, but another example of the Twins just not converting on, on plays that they should be converting on or not giving themselves the best opportunity, at least in Larnick's case. Like, get behind that ball, have some momentum fielding it to throw home, and City Fields are totally flat-footed. Then we get to the ninth. Donaldson misses, just flat-out misses, a perfect throw from Taylor Rogers, and what would have been a Taylor-made double play. I know he's a third baseman, not a shortstop, but that's an easy play to make. Uh, he doesn't make it. Still, they have a chance to get out of it. <laughs> Taylor Rogers gets the strikeout with one out and a man on third, but Garver can't block it. Uh, and, and the go ahead run scores after Simmons had hit a game uh, tying home run in the previous inning. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was a disaster. And, it, you know, it, we, we've talked about bad luck, you know, that's been the narrative. The twins have had bad luck. And I agree. They've had a little bit of bad luck this year, but there was no bad luck in that game. There's been no bad luck in a lot of these games where the bullpen's just completely imploded. Uh, and, and they just have to wear this, you know, that game, it was a microcosm of, of, of the whole season, you know, just not doing the little things well, not doing the big things well also, but, um, I don't know if they're just disengaged. I don't know if their heads aren't there or what's going on. It's hard to tell because there's no clubhouse access. But that game, to me, was the top three worst loss of the year. And that's really saying something because there have been a lot of bad ones. Uh, because it's just they're making these these little league mistakes, you know. Um, and so I, I just think, you know, from the 20,000-foot view, the, the whole organization needs to own this. From the front office, uh, and I want to talk more about them, uh, you know, to, to Rocco and obviously the players and the coaching staff. Like, this is just a, a complete disaster. I mean, they were picked to win the central they're the worst team in baseball they're the worst team in baseball yeah i just uh, they are too yeah right they, right. they deserve they deserve right. it so let's talk about luck for a second here because i want to explore that because in 2019 where a lot went right at least until the playoffs against the yankees in 2019 baldelli's mantra was we control our destiny we control things we make our luck either way um and that he almost didn't believe in outside forces, that the forces came from within you and your team. And it worked perfectly, okay? So, like, let's break down. There, there's a lot of people with a lot of reasons why the Twins have had bad luck. But let's break down bad luck, okay? Miguel Sano being almost unplayable, I don't care that he had a wind-aided home run, is not bad luck. That's him. Josh Donaldson clearly looking old and and really having problems at third base more and more often now. It's not bad luck. He's just getting old. Um, so what's the luck? I mean, okay, Buxton's hurt, but guys get hurt. Like, no team. The Dodgers lose guys. Like, there, there's no team that doesn't get guys hurt. There's no team that doesn't have rough patches in their schedule where it gets difficult at times. There, I mean, what's 
bad luck bad luck would be everybody being hurt. Bad luck is not Mitch Garver now. It's some home run still, but he's lost a lot of times. Miguel Sano is lost. Um, you know, Jake Caves out. Okay. Jake Caves out. So like I, I guess I would like to know what do we consider bad luck and how is the twins bad luck any different than a normal team that it, that has to face adversity? And I mean, again, go back to 2019. What I'm saying is what Rocco would say back then. So you just stink. Like, like let's just accept this. You, ju- this team is a massive right now failure. It's not improving. You're not good. Your starting pitching is disappointing. I mean, Kenta Maeda. I don't know if it's the groin problem or if it's just he's not as good. But Kenta Maeda has an ERA now of over five. Jose Barrios will never be a true ace. I think he's solid at times for sure. But, I mean, the Twins on Saturday, uh, Jake, were celebrating that start. Like, it was some great start. It was okay, but it was just okay. Um, The bullpen has blown up, but that's that's their fault. They retooled it, you know. I'm sure the I'm sure that the White Sox saw Alex Colomay get a big contract from the Twins and thought, oh, that's awesome, that's great, because we know that he's fried. So, you know, this whole luck thing, and yeah, it's sports, but this is a lot of your own problems that you ha- have to fix. And this is what frustrates me the most right now. And I don't know if you would agree with this or not, but it certainly might allow you to get to your point about the front office here. Do you see anybody who has a semblance of an answer? Because I don't. I don't see anybody who has a semblance of, oh, holy cow, we got to, no, this has to be addressed. I mean, they just continue to show up at the ballpark and lose games, and it's like, oh, we just lost again. Nobody, there doesn't seem to be any internal grinding of the gears um, to at least acknowledge, I, I, at least in the disaster of what, was it 2016? At least back then, Jim Polat, of all people, told my buddy Chip Scoggins, this is a total system failure, an acknowledgement of what it was. This seems to be a whole thing. I, I think the last quote I saw, Jake, was Thad Levine basically saying, well, we are really surprised by this. Okay, so am I. Are you going to do anything about it? So, like, that's where I don't understand. A lot of these problems are your are their fault. Um, and the fixes seem to be to grab their heads right now and be like, didn't see this coming. What should we do? You're paid to know what to do. Not saying that you can turn it around. I'm not saying that you're going to make the playoffs. You are not. But this feeble like reaction to we suck is, oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think a lot of people would like to see a little bit more accountability uh, from the front office and, and maybe at times from Rocco, but especially the front office, you know, like he, he, I said this last week, like you need to hold up, hold a presser or talk to the media and say, this is unacceptable, you know, because it is unacceptable. They built this team to win a world series this year and they literally have the worst record in baseball. Like you have to acknowledge reality, you know? And the fact is they built a bullpen that is really, really bad. I mean, it's really bad. And, you know, this organization likes to talk about depth and how much depth they have. There there are no real options at AAA right now. They're, I mean, you know, they have guys that they could call up, but there is not, you know, a young arm, you know, a, a Bruce Doug Gratterall type who's waiting in the wings, you know, and ready to take the eighth inning and, and lock it down, you know. So so the depth is is not there. They have to make this work 
with Hansel Robles, who they signed in the offseason and after a very bad 2020 has been, I'd say, mediocre uh, this year. Uh, Rogers, honestly, he has he's been okay. He hasn't been spectacular. Duffy's velo's down. Uh, and that's led to him being much more like the 2018 Tyler Duffy. Yeah. Um, and then of course we know about column a, but you know, so they, they put them in this situation. They, they didn't, they didn't find good options in the pen and they didn't stack the, the minor leagues with, you know, there are no prospects ready to go. So, I mean, the, the, you know, this is on the front office, like the, the bullpen, has blown so many games. So I saw a stat. I retweeted this. Baseball Reference tweeted this out. The Twins to this day, to this date um, have allowed sixty eight percent of inherited runners to score. Sixty eight percent. The next highest in baseball history is the nineteen fifty six Red Sox at fifty four percent. So they're on track to shatter. Wow. And I, I I understand that this will come come back down to earth a little bit, but they're on track to shatter the record for inherited runners scored. Yeah. Um, it, it's been a disaster. And, you know, I, I do have to say, you know, we've been talking about are the twins going to, you know, fire a hitting coach the way the Mets did with Chili Davis, you know, um, honestly, and I'm not advocating for, for firing anyone right now, because I, I think those are just excuses. You know, it's just throwing somebody under the bus to appease the fan base. But if you are going to go down that route, mm-hmm. like, why don't we talk about Wes Johnson? I mean, the pitching staff has been awful. The bullpen's been awful, and and the starting rotation has been bad too. Shoemaker was bad, or has been bad. Uh, Hap has been okay. Maeda's been really bad. Like I don't understand why he isn't getting more criticism. Again, I'm not saying fire him, but like he should be getting heat right now because the entire staff, from starters all the way down to the to the end of the bullpen, um, really ha- ha- they've all struggled. You know, yeah. um, so. There's just there's a lot of blame to go around. I think the front office for sure uh, is number one on that list. Obviously, the players aren't executing either. Uh, but there's just a lot of blame to go around in a lot of different areas. That's what happens when you're 13 and 25 after building a team that you think uh, is ready to to win the World Series. And this might be slightly easier to accept. Not easy, but easier to accept. Okay, if there were people, especially starting pitchers or pitchers, period, in the pipeline who were coming up and could step in. And I'm not saying they'd be perfect yet, but they would give you hope for 2022, right? And here's a really weird thing, and I I guess now I'm just flat-out confused. When you go back through the last two years now, so 2020 and 21, Jake, um, and you see that Derek Falvey came from a franchise that does nothing but develop young pitching. Like, it's incredible. Um, And I don't think anybody was expecting him to take that blueprint and copy it exactly because it's probably very difficult. But I think there was some hope that some of it could be copied here and that right now you you would have some young arms that were Falvey's guys coming through, okay? Rios is not his. He traded, he traded for Kenta, and it was a very good trade in 2020. It's not been good in 2021. But the last two years, here's what really gets me. You have had at various times in your rotation – Rich Hill, God bless him, but he's he's my age, and Homer Bailey. And this year they've been replaced by Jay Happ and Shoemaker. And, like, you look in St. Paul now. It's right down the street. Drive down 94, and you go look at that, at the pitching there. Starters there. There ain't no, there ain't no Bieber. There ain't no Plezak. There ain't no Savali. There's none of that. So, 
you know, it would help my state of mind with this baseball team if we could say it's been just, it's just been a bad. It's going to be a bad year, just a bad year. But wait, but you can't say that. And and I, I think we talked about this a show or two ago. You know, Derek Falvey is not in his second year here, so like these are these guys should be coming up right around now. And, and in fact, with how bad this team is, it'd be very nice to plug them in. Let's say in July or August to start uh, to see them. As far as I know. They don't exist. Yeah. So I. So yeah. We brought that up. We talked about that last show, and I think that's the number one criticism I have uh, of Falvey. Uh, there is no r- real pitching pipeline at, right now. They've got Balazovic uh, and Duran, who are legitimate prospects. Right now, they're both hurt. Uh, we could see those guys, especially Duran, in the second half, and and maybe he'll pan out. Uh, and then they've got some guys at the lower levels: um, Cole Sands, Josh Winder. Uh, and a few other guys who, you know, who, who could pan out, but we're in year five now and there's no, they haven't developed really anyone other than Duffy and Rogers. And they've gotten rid of really good pitchers, specifically Ryan Presley uh, and Nick Anderson, who, as I've talked about several times on the podcast, uh, they just needed to give him a 40 man spot and they wouldn't do it. So it, the results have been bad with pitching development. I, I'm sorry. I, I just, there's no evidence really to the contrary. Um, to refute that, you know, I mean, there's just nobody's come up. Nobody's come up and really dominated again, other than, than Rogers and, and, and Duffy to, to some extent. Um, so it, it, this needs to get fixed. You know, I mean, it needs to get fixed pretty quickly. They've had five years they've drafted. They've had plenty of drafts now, you know, they, they they've had time to develop guys and that something is going wrong. Uh, you know, I, it's, it's hard to diagnose exactly what it is, but, all of these guys that they have in their system. And by the way, Waskar Inoa is another guy that they got rid of. Uh, but all these guys in, that they've had in their system just have so far not panned out. Maybe that'll change with Balazovic and Duran, but uh, it's just, it's not good right now because that's what Falvey was hired to do, mm-hmm. you know, and he mm-hmm. just, he hasn't done it. Yeah. And, and you keep signing these graybeards. That's the thing, too. Well, they have to. No, they have to. I know, but, I mean, that's not the solution. That's not the, you know, Rich Hill is going to be a one-year guy. Homer Bailey, same thing. Hap is probably going to be traded. Pineda is probably going to be traded. And so, like, the whole hope that they could develop a pitching pipeline and, and then and then occasionally go sign uh, position players now is sort of blown up, and, and it's not going to end in 2022 or 23 at the rate that they're currently going. Hey, um, uh, in, in the notes, tell us the story about Sano and Cruz, because I think this is a very enlightening... Mm-hmm. I, I did not hear this. Uh, it's a very intriguing piece of information that I don't think should be dismissed. Yeah, so this is really interesting. I don't know that this is reported anywhere, but Audra asked a question um, to Rocco, I believe it was yesterday, and she basically said uh, that that before Saturday's game, Miguel Sano went to Nelson Cruz's house uh, and basically worked with Cruz uh, and maybe some of the people that that are around Cruz on his swing, uh, and and I just thought that was interesting um, because you know why is he not going to to Edgar Varela or Rudy Hernandez? You know wh- why is he not getting help? Why does he feel like Cruz is about? And look, Nelson Cruz is a smart guy. He obviously knows hitting. He could be a coach if he wants to. Um, but but it is interesting to me that he chooses to go to Cruz uh, rather than the the coaching staff and, and I'm sure he works with the coaching staff too, but um, I, I, I think, I think that's something that should be explored more, you know, uh, because it suggests at least maybe that there's some lack of confidence in, in the coaching staff. Um, and, you know, Rocco 
you know, he, he, he basically just said, you know, I, I, I heard that. I heard that. And, uh, you know, nothing's off limits uh, to, to try to get better. I, I, I felt like he was maybe a little bit annoyed with the question or annoyed that uh, he had to talk about that. Good for Audra. Um, yeah, good for Audra. Good for Absolutely. A- it was a tough question and a fair question. That's a great I don't know, question. I don't know where she got that, but it was a great question. Um, and, and I thought it was, again, I thought it was, maybe it's nothing. Maybe he's maybe he is working with the coaches and just decided to to reach out to Cruz. But but he went to his I don't house. Think she, but he went to his house. Like it'd be one yes. thing if he if I worked with him in the cage at Target Field, then I think it'd be like okay, I sort of get that. But like right. if he went to if if that's and and look, I know that they're friends and they're close. But I'm with you. Like when you're bypassing your coaches uh, to go have a teammate help you at his home, that says to me that you're so broken. And you don't think that the people who are hired to fix you can fix you, which can't be completely ignored or dismissed. And what does it say? Maybe it's just coincidence. It probably is. But what does it say that he's had two of his best games of the year immediately after going and working with Cruz? You know, that just adds a little bit more evidence to to the idea that maybe he, uh, you know, trusts Cruz more than, than the coaching staff. Again, this is all speculation, but I don't think she would have asked that if she didn't think it was interesting and, and worth, you know, diving into a little bit more. I, I think that's an unusual move for a player to make, you know? Uh, and so I, I don't know, I don't know what to make of that other than uh, it suggests that there are some things going on in that clubhouse uh, behind the scenes that we don't get to see because we don't have access that are, you know, maybe not ideal. So no is incredibly safe for the home run on Saturday is incredibly lost at this point in time too. So um, I'd love to know what the Twins' internal take or feeling is about him right now because I will say this. When he hit that ball off, uh, was, was it Jake Diekman? On mm-hmm. Saturday, he thought he popped up, and he put his bat down and started to sort of jog to first base, and it got caught in the wind, and it kept carrying and carrying, and, and basically I think hit off the top of that flower-potted area in right field. Um, but he thought, I think he thought he had flown out to the warning track and, you know, it's great that he was excited and I get that. And I'm not trying to be a buzzkill for him, but the reaction, like, oh, this might be it. This might be, do you know how much more we have to see before anybody can say, oh my God, he's back or he's, or he's a semblance of being playable. Um, so I, I thought, I thought the reaction, I, I sort of get it because the team's been so bad. But I also thought it lacked a level, a level of acknowledgement of the situation too, from the from especially Rocco because he's like, well, something like this can turn you around. No, it can't. No, it's not going to. And then, and then your explanation of what transpired on Sunday is why this team is so bad. It's disorganized right now. Like you literally went through a series of plays that should be made starting at. Little League or Legion Ball, and they didn't make them, and they sabotaged themselves. And the other thing that was, to me, um, especially when I went to the game on Saturday, Jake, that was enlightening to watch was this. The Oakland A's are not a great baseball team. Like, they are not filled with talented players. They're good players. They're really good players. But they're not, but it's not the Yankees. They haven't signed a bunch of big names. They are a largely unknown team, partially because they play uh late at night in the East Coast and partially because they're in Oakland. But you know what they are? They're incredibly smart and they are incredibly athletic and they get the most out of everything. 
I mean, their defense, Matt Chapman at third, is a delight to watch. They're solid in center field. They're solid in the outfield, I think, overall for the most part. My point being is there is no reason why the Twins can't be the A's, and they are so far from that right now. And I'm just talking about the organizational philosophy of looking like you have a clue. Yeah, they execute really well. They remind me a lot of of those Twins teams, uh, you know, the 2002, 3, 4 teams, and then yeah. all the way going through to 8 and 9. Um, those teams didn't have a, a, you know, they weren't overwhelmingly talented. I mean, they had good players, certainly, but they, they did the little things right, and that became a cliche later on with the organization. But but I think they did. I think they played really good defense. You know, they they did situational hitting really well. They they executed. And that's what the A's remind me of. And and the twins are just polar opposites. And the what is it, 0 and 7 now in, in extras, I yes. believe. Um that that's a perfect example of just not executing when it matters most. And you know, their average with risk is is very poor. Uh it, 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 they have not done the little things well. They haven't done the big things well either, but they haven't done the little things well. Those little plays that can shift the game, they've consistently not made those plays. Uh, and I don't know if that's lack of preparation, if it's coaching, if it's just the players not uh, performing. I, I don't know what it is, but it's been a pattern throughout six weeks now. You know, this is no longer a tiny sample size. They've consistently not done well when the game is on the line. Um, and, and like you said, you, you see the exact opposite of that with, with the A's uh, and, and with the White Sox who are in town starting tonight. I am glad that you brought up RISP because I've got some, I've got some handwritten statistics right here, Jake DePew. Let's see him. Last eight games. Last eight games right here. So since May the 7th, the Minnesota Twins with runners in scoring position, and I mean, this is mind-boggling. With runners in scoring position in those eight games, they are 17 for 87. That is a 195 average. And here's the scariest part. On May 12th against the White Sox in Chicago, they went 5 for 12. Let me go through the seven games outside of that game. Because 5 for 12 is fine. 3 for 14. 1 for 14. 2 for 10. 0 for 10. 1 for 6. Three for eleven on Saturday when they won, and two for ten on Sunday. They have left in those eight games a total of seventy-five guys on base, nine point four runners per game left on base. How's that for not doing anything in the clutch? Right, and I mean, I suppose you could take the optimistic view and say this offense isn't as bad as it seems because they're not executing with runners in scoring position. But, uh, you, you know, I, I, I don't look at it that way. I, I mean, I'm a pessimistic guy, so of course I'm not going to look at it that way. But uh, if you're consistently not executing in the most important spots, and again, like you just pointed out, like I said, the sample size is large enough now that this isn't just fluky anymore. You know, I, I, I mean, it, maybe it'll it'll stabilize as we go on through the season. It probably will to some extent. Uh, but this has cost them a lot of games. You know, and when you combine that with the ridiculous amount of inherited runners scored by the bullpen, um, they've just they've they haven't come through at at least in the case of the bullpen an historic rate when there's on a lot to to get those to get those guys in on both sides of the ball. They just haven't executed. And the defense has been bad in those spots too, as we saw yesterday. So um, I, I, it's just hard to know 
who's to blame? Like, is this strictly the players? Like, I don't know how you guys feel about it. Like, is it just the players not executing or is there something deeper at play here? We you know, is it maybe a clubhouse issue? Like what, what do you think? Well, how bull- would you diagnose this? The bullpen stunk because, or the bullpen has been bad. That's Falvey and Levine's fault. Cause they yes. just completely misjudged things. And column a, I, you know, I mean, he was, and I know that he has uh, been brought in in less pressure situations of late and he's done better. But that being said, he blew games when they desperately needed to win games and end and losing streaks, and he had that opportunity, and he couldn't do that. You know what's one of my biggest personal surprises? Just like I thought it was going to be really good, and it hasn't been. Defense. Fielding. I am mm-hmm. real—I mean, this was supposed to be Andrelton Simmons was here at shortstop, and, you know, I thought great signing. I mean, the guy is a gold-glove shortstop. Donaldson was going to be solid. Um, it was going to allow Polanco to move off shortstop, which was going to help. Um, I don't think Sano's great, but Sano at first base, you know, he's not hes not a disaster. I mm-hmm. really thought the defense was going to be just airtight. Like, I thought I thought de- defensively that they would be a semblance far more of, of what I saw from the A's. And they're not good defensively. Like they're just no. not they're just not that good and and I know it always goes back to well if Buxton's playing well that is true but anybody who thinks that Buxton is going to play a lot by 2021 is smoking something that I definitely want because I mean Byron Buxton's never going to be playing a ton it's just not feasible so like don't give me well if Buxton's playing and Buxton being out is not bad luck because he's always out. Yeah. Like don't count yeah. on him playing. That's a that's a you problem, not a me problem. Yeah, so so Donaldson really has been fairly mediocre. I mean, I don't know exactly what the the advanced metrics say on him, but he, there have been a number of plays and and yesterday was obviously the, the biggest example uh that that he hasn't made and there was there was also kind of a a, a soft grounder um, where it looks like maybe he could have gotten an out. I believe when Theobar was on the mound and maybe the 7th uh, that that he didn't make. Uh, he certainly is. I still trust him as an above average defender, but he he hasn't been that spectacular Gold Glove, you know, level defender that no. I thought he would be. And even Simmons. I mean, Simmons. I, I do still love watching him on defense, and and he is a, a great defensive player. But he's had a number of throws um, that have been in the dirt. Uh, some have been scooped, some haven't. He made the big error, I believe, on opening day in Milwaukee, where he didn't feel the throw that that cost him. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're correct. Yeah. So, so I mean he he's still been certainly well above average defensively, but he hasn't been that spectacular guy consistently. And and just while we're on Simmons, do you think it makes sense to to trade him now as opposed to waiting until July thirtieth, the July thirtieth deadline? Because in my view, if you have a if you have a taker for him who's willing to take on that contract, trade him now. Mm-hmm. Uh, save about he was signed for what 10 and a half million i believe so you'd save you know maybe seven or eight million uh because you're going to need that money they're going to lose money this year because the projected attendance or what they were projecting i don't think is going to come to fruition based on how the team is doing no. so they're going to need that money for for 2022 but i also think we need to see what nick gordon can do he's doing well in triple a yeah he had a great debut like now is the time with the losing team to plug him in at shortstop I love it. and see if he can perform you know, in, in the major and see if he can stay healthy. Cause that's been an issue for him throughout the minors. Um, so in my view, I would not wait until the end of July to trade Simmons. Um, I, if there's a taker, I would get rid of him now, even if the return isn't much, if they take on his contract, I would do it. And I think, I think in his case, 
because he is so good in the field. I think the return is going to be the return, if that makes sense. Like, I, I don't think you're going to, I don't think he's like a pitcher where you walk him up to the deadline and then make a potential killing or get more. I think yeah. that if you trade him now, you're probably going to get the same that if you wait till what, July 30th or the uh, 31st. So, yeah, that's fine with me. And I, I'm with you. That's the one thing I agree completely. I want to see when Kirloff is back and Larnick is playing now. They need to play all of the time. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think I said this to you last week. You know, quit with this. Well, we'll get Ostadia in today because he might help us. I don't care. You're you are getting to the point now where I don't care about that. What you need to do is get any of your prospects who is remotely ready to play in the big leagues experience up here. Kirilov, exactly. play, Kirilov plays. If Sano sits, I also don't care. If he plays left and Larnick plays right and, and Kepler sits, I don't care if Buxton is playing. Um, but yeah, get Gordon here. Get guys who might be part of your future, not pluggable parts that Rocco likes. Get them experience. That is the only good that can come from this disaster. That's exactly right. And and they have the, the one positive, if you want to call it a positive, of starting this badly is they don't have to wait until the end of July to to do these things. They, they can plug these guys in now uh, and, and give them almost a full season of, of work. So yeah, to, to your point, I mean, Larnick, I think he will play every day. Kirloff, it's still, he still seems like he's a couple weeks away and surgery is still an option. There, yeah, there's a possibility right. we, we may not see him much the rest of the year. Uh, he's, I think he's going to try to play through it, but it's not a certainty, but, but definitely Larnick and definitely Gordon, you got to get Gordon up there. I mean, um, if he's finally healthy and has figured out these GI issues that he had, I know he's put on weight. Um, he was a he was a like a what number five number six overall pick. He was a top prospect for a long time. He's just entering his prime now. They could still maybe get something out of Gordon. They need to see, um, and there's just no reason to to trot Simmons out there every day anymore. Uh, it, you know he he's a veteran guy who helps a winning team, but doesn't do anything for you on a one year deal if you're thirteen and twenty five. So so let you know they should be entertaining offers for him right now. In your mind, are there any young pitchers that they can bring up throughout the course of this? season to get them work to get them prepared so balazovic and and duran for sure um and duran was hurt right they're both they're both Both hurt hurt. yeah yep yep i think i think duran is closer um than balazovic but those two guys for sure uh, a guy named josh i believe it's winder not winder i believe it's josh winder is at double a he's a legitimate prospect we could see him by the end of the year matt caterino is another guy so i mean there are guys um, that they could get work. I don't think they're ready. I don't think there's anybody really ready now. I think that's more of a second half of the season okay. type of thing. But I, but I do think right. in August and September we'll see a lot of these guys, and we need to. You know, I mean, we, they, the the front office needs to see if they can uh, make you know get some of these guys to pan out. And uh, yeah, but but I think those guys are still honestly months away. Final thoughts yeah. before we wrap um, up another talking twins. I I mean it's. <laughs> I just can't believe we're talking about these things. I can't. Like, I know. Hey, and here's I said thing. 96 wins, Jake. I know. I know. And and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, you know, people who are saying like, we're the pandemic has warped your brain. Like we're only, you know, 25% of the way through the season. No, it, it, they have two and a half months to, to fix this before the trade deadline. Uh, so, so it's going to take a Herculean effort to do that. Um, so I, that's why I, I think the season is essentially done in terms of competitiveness because it, yeah. it's going to be almost impossible for them to, to write the ship by then. So um, 
Yeah, do you want to do final record predictions now, or should we leave that for the next show? Go ahead. You start. All right, I'll start. And I'll, okay, you guys. So I uh, right now on May, what is it, May 16th? Uh, 17th, May 17th. I'm going to say they're going to finish 66 and 96. Oh, 66 and avoid 96. the 100 loss mark. Declan? Uh, 66 <laughs> is, the good, is the good benchmark. You know what? I'll say they'll hit 70. They'll catch fire and they'll win some meaningless games to give us a tiny bit of glimmer of hope that something could be on the horizon and they'll come crashing back down. But 70 wins. I will say 70. So you said 66. Which would still be a remarkable turnaround if they get to 70, in my opinion. Okay, so Declan said 70. Jake, you, you said 66 and 96? 66, yep, yep. Lavelle, by the way, tweeted that 100 losses was in play. He's really embracing his columnist role. I love that. Um, I will put them, I'd love to say that, that they'll reach uh, triple digits and losses, but I don't think they will. I'll give them 68 wins. 68. 68. Yeah. Here's the thing is they will, because it's baseball, they'll go on a hot stretch, mm-hmm. which is going to drive me crazy because the fan base is all going to say, look, they're making a run. They're making some type of run. No, they're not. They're, here's, here's the biggest problem. We've seen this now too long. The flaws are the flaws. The flaws aren't flukes. And my, there's no easy It's my fix. band name. The flaws aren't flukes. <laughs> I love it. Like they're not. I love it. Like, and, and they're not. It's not, I mean, Donaldson's getting old. That doesn't mean he won't get hot, but he's getting old. Nelson Cruz bat is slowing down. He's 41 in, on July 1st. Um, I don't see a lot of, I don't see, it would take everything basically doing a 180 as far as the turn, and I don't see it. I mean, Maeda's in the midst of a bad season. A lot of times pitchers just have bad years, don't, don't bounce back, right? So and and look, like the bull the bullpen to me, some guys are going to pop back up and be better, like Colome has of late. But the bullpen's not good. Mm-mm. So like I don't see the bullpen being lights out. Like you build there the two things I'll, I'll compare is this: I think bullpens and offensive lines are similar, and you either have a good one or you don't. And it's not like, oh, my God, the offensive line eight games in is going to really improve. No, that's your line. Bullpen's the same way. Like, you either have guys or you don't have guys. And the Twins don't have enough guys, and it's their fault. And they don't have enough prospects at AAA to, to plug some of those holes. Yeah, they can't replace guys. Exactly. Yep. All right, Jake DePier, we'll talk to you next Monday. Talking Twins, Declan Judd, we're done. We'll talk to you after the Twins go 1-8 and eight during the week. Not even possible. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.